Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek Podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 76 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am excited to be joined today by one of the heads of social media for WhedonCon, Christopher Cullen. How are you doing, Chris? Hey, doing great. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm excited to uh, to talk about your event and uh, kind of geek oh, out about Cross Whedon today. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, too. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of today, why don't we learn a little bit more about you? Uh, go ahead and tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, man. Okay. I am 27 years old. I live in Los Angeles. I've been here for about three years. I moved here from, uh, I spent five years in Pittsburgh. I'm from Pennsylvania. I work out here on... Um, I'm a freelance production designer, so I do work on independent films and music videos and uh, some shorts and things, and I build sets and take care of props and um, design things and come up with plans and live on a budget and work on a budget, and uh, I don't know. I That's something. <laughs> it's hard to talk <laughs> about yourself, um, but yeah, so I... I love what I do, and I am very into geek culture, but maybe not as – I think I'm focused on a few things instead mm-hmm. of being as – casting a wide net like I used to, but uh, it's still what I live and breathe. Yeah, we all tend to get to a point where we just can't keep up with it all, and especially nowadays, there's so much of it. It's really hard to you, – you do kind of have to specialize a little bit. You do, and you know, my – I'm a bit of a completionist, so it's my desire to – know everything there is to know about the things that I love. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't leave room for the things that I just kind of like. So I have like these tiers of interests. That makes tears, sense. tears with a TI. <laughs> um, so, well, let's talk about those. What are some of the areas of geekitude? What are you diving into whole, whole hog? Well, um, 
I would say my number one for sure, if you haven't guessed, because we'll be talking about WhedonCon today, um, is the Joss Whedon fandom, the Whedonverse. Mm-hmm. And that I've been riding that train for 13 years with uh, a lot of passion and maybe a sprinkle of obsession. <laughs> uh, but it's great because now I'm, I really get to use that information and I get to put it to work. And there's not a lot of people who get to say that, that like, Hey, I get to raise money for charity talking about the thing that I love. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's you're it's, you're in a very unique unique and coveted position. Yeah, and I don't know, I fell into it. It's kind of cool, I guess. All you have to do is love it enough to be willing to do the work. Mhm. But it's cool and I love that we we get to use and the the work of Joss Whedon means so much to me that I just love that we get to use his world to make our world a bit of a better place. Yeah, that's awesome. Are there other areas that maybe not as big as uh, Joss Whedon stuff? But um, um, you know what? You know what's funny? I don't talk about it much, but it's up there. I'm a, I'm a huge um, Power Rangers Super Sentai fan. Nice. I've got uh, you know my timeline starts with when it joined the U.S. in '93, but I've you know seen all pushing. 800 episodes, I should probably, if I was a real fan, I'd know the number, but I don't. Um, and so that's, I don't know, that's cool. That's something I've been, that's been with me my whole life, which is kind of cool. That's really it's awesome. not like, uh, it's not like the Whedonverse, which I fell into and fell in love with. I kind of grew and changed with the Power Rangers and, um, a lot of people write it off as a bit of a kid's show and it's absolutely a kid's show, 100%. But if you can get past that, it's still just really cool that it's like, it's all in the same world, but there's a new story every year. Yeah, that's and really I, awesome. I really dig that. I uh, I saw some. Uh, I was just kind of looking at cosplay um, photos today, and I saw a couple of really good uh, Power Rangers cosplay things. And I was like, you know what? I haven't gone back and looked at Power Rangers, and I, I missed the movie. I haven't seen that yet. So I was like, that's something I need to kind of dip my toes back into again, and and go back and kind of relive some of that stuff because I. I enjoyed that growing up too and it was uh i've been away from it for a while oh i didn't even think about it of course it's topical to say you're into power rangers right now (laughs) so cliche i didn't mean to no no not at all i've been here for 24 years i can't help that other people are hopping on (laughs) Uh, other people have too of course power rangers has a really um active fandom but i'm not really a part of it the way that i'm a part of the whedonverse fandom right um i'm starting to explore it but i I think there's a little more depth of um, subject, like breadth of subject. Uh, the Whedonverse goes deeper into uh, like psychological discussions, and yeah. that, that's more my speed. So as much as I love Power Rangers and I could discuss Power Rangers till the cows come home, the Whedonverse gets to dive into the deep stuff, and I really like that more for talking with other fans. Definitely, I can definitely see that. Now, are there areas where you feel like your geekitude is kind of low? You kind of step out of the conversation when it comes up because it's not your thing. Um, yeah, there is, and I, I want to go back. I want to say I'm a big X Men fan. I'm just going to throw that in. I've been reading them for years, uh, but I will say video games totally lost on me. I, I sit there, and a part of me is envious, but I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, people love them, and they mean so much to people, and I don't know why. But I've just never fallen in. Um, and there are the phone games these days. Sometimes I'll get into a phone game for a while. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that's similar enough as an experience, but otherwise I don't really know. I've never been one to own consoles or to, um, play with friends and stuff like that. And it, it's cool. It's a totally, um, fascinating culture that I just was never a part of. And I would say that's my weakest area. That's fair. And I, I we, we hear that a lot on the show. I, I think, you know, as far as geeks go, you are either a gamer or you're not. And there's not a lot of kind of that in-between space, um, which is just kind of interesting. I, you know, I consider myself a gamer. My husband, absolutely not. And so, you know, I'm, <laughs> I've got a lot of geeky friends that just video games, not their thing. Yeah, I don't know. I someday maybe. I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah. Now I know, like the the next question is kind of redundant because we we've already talked about it. But your your favorite fandom is uh is uh the the Wheaton verse. Um, absolutely, yeah. But you you did mention X Men. Uh, when did you get into that? How how deep are you into that? Just movies, comic books? Oh well, um, the X Men are interesting with me, and not really me. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how close you and I are in age, but I know that for my generation, huge, like we grew up watching the X Men cartoon show, mm-hmm. and so there was this little bit of the X Men like ingrained. In everyone's mind. Like, there are a good, probably 20 X-Men characters whose names I feel like I could, and everyone will know them. They're part of, they are, they have risen to the top of pop culture, and I think a lot of that has to do with that cartoon show. Yeah. Um, 20 years ago. And that was my sole exposure to the X-Men as a kid. My brother read the comics, but I never really was into them, and then one day, and it's actually funny because I got so into comics and I love comics and I read all kinds of different comics. But what brought me into comics was when Buffy started doing comics, right? When the Buffy comics came out is when I started going to comic shops. And that's when I fell back in love with the X-Men and they were everything. The X-Men people don't give them credit sometimes. I mean, the people in the know do, but the people outside of it just, it totally goes over their head that the X-Men is sociopolitical commentary, right? Constant, ever-present, ever-updating, malleable sociopolitical commentary about the other. Whoever it is in society who is the other. And when the X-Men, for example, during the AIDS crisis, and I'm sure you know some of this, if not all of it, the X-Men were othered for AIDS victims and AIDS patients, and the legacy virus was... AIDS, and it was a virus that people thought only affected mutants, and it went through, and we lost some really important characters, and it was a, some devastating storylines, and then when, um, you know, in the more modern era, I would say probably five or six years ago now, we're looking at the um, their Proposition X tries to remove the rights of mutants to breed, and mm-hmm tries to control them and they end up of course all living in one island for a while and the the mutant race is always society's other right and it's been really interesting to watch that grow and change throughout my lifetime and to go back and i mean of course you know god loves man kills they're an allegory for race Absolutely. um and so i just think that the Giving that perspective of the maligned, of the left behind, of the abused, allows the X-Men to achieve a level of 
emotional depth that I don't get from celebrities like the Avengers. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Have you ever listened to, I don't know how much podcast listening you do, but have you heard of uh, Jay and Miles Explains the X-Men? Uh, no, I haven't. Tell me about it. They, they, they start around um, the the giant size X-Men. They, they cover a little bit before that, but they kind of start around where they start putting together most of the characters that we're all more familiar with, Storm. Wolverine. Right, when the X-Men went multinational. Which exactly. Was kind of a big deal and was also their version of othering at the time. Oh, it was huge. Was that, was that like our whole team were, we, they, the team started as five, five waspy kids and then it very quickly became people from various countries and continents and religions and ethnicities and stories. Yeah. And, and it just hasn't stopped diversifying. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, they just go from, you know, story arc to story arc. They don't cover every issue. They try and do it in story arcs because it's a little bit more digestible then. But they try and kind of talk through all the storylines and how the continuity changes and they kind of poke fun of it while being just huge fans of it at the same time and uh it's just my favorite yeah it's just a really enjoyable show really really enjoyable show um i I was just told today that they i guess went on a three-month hiatus um because one of the the hosts is moving to new york and so they're settling in after the move but uh, so it's a good time to catch up on it, and anybody who's been thinking about doing that because they're they're going to be not putting out new episodes for a while. Well, that sounds awesome though. But if they started all the way at giant size, how far are they so far? Um, they've just got at this point. They're they've just kind of finished. Well, I'm I'm a little bit far behind myself. I'm at about the end of Inferno. Oh, okay. So they've got. So they're gotten, they're making progress. They're making progress. They've gotten from. Right now they're covering X-Men, uh, X-Factor, and New Mutants, and I think they were just getting ready to start doing X-Force. Wow, so I love that they're doing all the various titles. Because oh yeah, all of them. Like, um, that X-Factor and the New Mutants are all so much part of that world, and it's all so intertwined, and I'm, I'm impressed and I'm proud of them. I'm glad they're doing it right. Yeah, I absolutely. have to listen to that. Yeah, I mean, even if you're not a, a a big podcast person, it's a really well produced um, show. Um, it's digestible chunks, so it's not it's not too overwhelming. That sounds awesome. Now, is there anything um, you're a fan of that you think everybody should be a fan of, and they it's just not as mainstream? So you're you're kind of always introducing people to it. This one is so hard because. I guarantee you there's like five of these things mm-hmm. and I can't think of any of them right now. <laughs> Not a single one. Um, I will say I can give you an answer, but it's a little, it's, it's very sincere, but it's a little, uh, hypocritical because what it is is something that I wish that I was into. Okay. I wish that I was reading the IDW Transformers comics. Okay. Because they sound incredible. And I, every time I go to like the Transformer Wikipedias and read about what's going on in the issues, I am floored by the, the, the direction the story's going, the development of the characters, the, and these are just from reading like Wikipedia articles. And mm-hmm. I so wish that I had the finances to go back and start reading those because 
they're incredible. I mean, like, I will go out and buy Transformers toys because I was so impressed with things I read in the wiki articles about some of the characters. Oh, wow. That I'm like, well, I have to have this one. And That's I, I'm impressive. Not even, I'm not even reading the comics. And so I just, I so wish that I would be able to sit down and read those because they are, and I'm a, I'm a big Transformers fan too, and have been my whole life, but those are really something I want to get into. And I hope that I do. <laughs> Absolutely, that sounds great. I'm gonna have so to that's a partial that answer. Well. Yeah, so that's a. I wish that I was into them, and then I wish that I could be recommending them from that standpoint. Hey, it works for me. <laughs> it works for me. Um, so uh, moving a little away from just uh, geekdom in general, what are what are you working on right now? Obviously, we're going to talk about WhedonCon later, but do you have any other projects uh, in the works? Yeah, um, you know, I just wrapped up a, a music video shoot, um, and I'm not sure, this is totally embarrassing, but I didn't sign any NDAs, but I probably should have, so I'm just going to say I worked on a music video, and um, then coming up in a few weeks, I'm going to be picking up where, sort of where I left off on a feature that wrapped a year ago, so I'm sorry, so I'm a production designer, I did explain it a little bit, mm-hmm. Um and I have this, this film that is, it's so, it's kind of funny. It's been a part of my life for almost as long as I've been in LA. I got hired as the production designer in the spring of 2015. Okay. And it was at the time a student short. And we shot the short, this like 20 minute short. And then, you know, nine months later, I got a call. And, hey, we are turning it into a feature. Oh, wow. And here's the whole script, and here's where the short scenes fit in. And and then I spent, like, six to eight weeks last year traveling with this whole company. of. And it's cool because I work on short films. I work on music videos. You don't get to spend time with the same crew like I got to all of last spring. And I'm so delighted because... We have to do reshoots. It's in post-production, and they have to do reshoots. And uh, we will be getting back together at the end of this month to reshoot some of the scenes from that short because our budget and uh, talent had improved significantly in the uh, passing year. So the short scenes aren't really holding up to the rest of the feature. Oh, so gotcha. we're going to go back and like finish up where we all started, and it's really cool. I have a couple production meetings about that this week. And the film, all I'm going to say... Is it is called Paradise, and I don't know when you will hear about it again, but I hope you do. That sounds great. That's a, it's really neat. I mean, I, I my experience is on you know more stage and theater, but it is it it is a nice feeling to be able to work with a group that you get along with that that you kind of understand that you've been a part of something, and that's really cool. I'm glad you're you're getting a chance to do that. Well, that's what I liked about it so much is that I have a theater background too. And the, the level of like familiarity and affection that you develop in a, in a cast mm-hmm. is so different from what you're, what you have time to develop in film. Absolutely. Cause it's just, it's the difference between, of course, you're rehearsing three hours every night. You're doing it all together. You're helping each other. You're holding each other's hands through it all is the theater world, and then you're best friends by the end of it. And whereas in film, you do all your own stuff separately. You get together, show them what you did, you do it, 
and then you yell at each other a little bit because everyone's moving at a different speed, and then you part ways. And I do miss that feeling. I love working in film, don't get me wrong, but I I loved this project because it simulated or achieved that feeling that I used to get doing live theater. That's awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Not as much as I'm looking forward to WeedonCon, though. <laughs> well, we'll get there shortly. Uh, we're going to move <laughs> into our weekly geekery where we talk about the things that we've been doing this week. Um, I actually just recorded uh, yes, to the, the podcast that released today. It's, it's May 1st. Uh, I recorded it yesterday. So to not repeat um, <laughs> my weekly geekery from today's episode... Um, I'm going to, to just kind of do a couple of quick things that have happened in the last couple of days. Um, I did get, uh, the April, very, very last minute, the April episode of my other podcast, State of the Geek, which I haven't talked about too much on here recently, but, uh, it's basically a podcast that is about, um, kind of using, uh, looking at the the more political side of of geekdom and uh, looking at problems that geek culture inherently has in it. Oh, I really like that. We have actually several panels on uh, adjacent topics at WeedonCon this year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, like the the way that the um, political climate affects geek culture, and then vice versa. The way that geek culture has seeped into pop culture, has seeped into culture, has seeped into society. Yeah, um, and it, that's that's kind of what I mean. That's that we we planned doing this. We planned this podcast back in I don't know June of last year, and just because of scheduling conflicts, we didn't really get started until September. And then all of a sudden, we had Trump, and our our focus kind of took a a, a sharp right. Right. Uh, to kind of cover what was immediately on our minds. But now that we're, you know, we, we definitely reference current politics in every episode, but we try and get back to where we are, um, talking specifically about geek culture, uh, problems in geek culture and trying to not do the, the, um, political stuff as much, but it's still there. I mean, we, we talked about on one episode how, uh, the whole Gamergate thing was basically a precursor to Trumpers. Like, it's the same mentality. It's kind of, um, in many respects, the same group of people. These people who are looking to push out everybody else that um, they don't want to invade their space. And uh, You can't see me, but I've been nodding in agreement the whole time. <laughs> I just and realized it, that you can't see me, which is the funniest part. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but I mean, so that's, so that's what we're doing. And, and I, I, I had fun with this episode because it was just me and my, my co-host Kelly, who, uh, who's in the middle of it because she lives in North Carolina. So she's, she's fine. Uh, a good fight out there. But, I know uh, my parents live in North Carolina too. It's, uh, not the same as LA. It is not. It is not. But, uh, but that's up. It's, it's kind of more lighthearted this week. It's, it's about, um, some articles that have come out about video games and how they affect, um, people. You know, they've retracted a lot of the studies that say that video games cause violence, but now they're saying maybe it causes unemployment in the 25 to 35 male age range. 
So just some kind of interesting little tidbits uh, that's coming out in like case studies about video games. So it sounds it sounds less exciting than it was. It actually sounds really exciting. I'd be fascinated to read that. I am nothing if not inconsequentially scholarly. I, <laughs> I like to study things and do nothing with the information. Yeah, well, because it's just interesting to learn stuff. I mean, we've we've both been teachers, so I think we have a little bit of that lifelong learner in us. Yeah, I like never get tired stuff. of it. Um, but other than that, I've been uh, trying to kind of put the final touches on. Um, I, I'm going to start a, a third podcast because they are addictive. Um, on an actual play podcast, so we will be playing a role playing game with a bunch of people, and it is official. For those of you who've been listening to me, him and Ha, about whether I'm going to do it or not over the last couple of weeks, we we are going ahead of with it. We have about. Ten players in the wings ready to go, and uh, so that should be going up this summer. That's really cool. Yeah. Do you, um, how does it work? Um, basically like what you're, you and I are doing right now, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but we'll be playing a game like D&D. Um, we're using a a different system, and it's going to be more urban fantasy, but, uh, but it's just kind of, you know, communal storytelling, and and then publishing it in episodes and so I love it's that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I get to find more excuses to uh to hang out with a bunch of people that I've met through podcasting and and or who I haven't seen in a while and and wanted to just say, "Hey, let's 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 play let's play an RPG together." That's really cool. I don't do that. That falls under video games. It falls back with video games for me. The thing that I don't do enough except mm-hmm. even more than video games, I would like to do that. I would like to take that up, take up some kind of um, engaging, involved game like that. Yeah, that would be, they fascinate me. And we have, we have a game room at WhedonCon this year, mm-hmm. and I, I hope that I find time to stop by and learn a new game. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's hard. It's, especially in LA when you're trying to adult. It, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a big time commitment. And, you know, and, uh, I, if, if you don't know people who are interested, it's so hard to put a group together. Mm-hmm. But uh, but we're gonna make time for it. We're gonna make it happen. So well, I love that. I wish you the best. I and I will hopefully listen to it when it happens. Thank you. Thank you very much. What have you been up to? What have you been doing this week? This week has probably been light on the geek for me. I was restructuring my own life. We had our apartment fumigated, so I am rearranging everything and building a few makeshift uh, closet things out of scrap wood. <laughs> <laughs> And doing doing absurd, ridiculous things that don't cost money, and uh, making my home a little more fun and festive. And uh, I did just watch something, and I'm not sure how much this falls under this category. I don't think it's it's kind of funny, right? Because the lines between television and binge watching and uh, they've all blurred together now with like geek culture. So right. I'm going to tell you what I just did and you can tell me if you think it falls under this category. Okay. Last night I finished, um, 13 reasons why on Netflix. I, th- I think anything that Netflix puts out, I think qualifies because binge watching has definitely become, uh, I think, uh, at least geek adjacent. I agree. And so my, especially since my primary mode of geek is television. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, it's even closer than adjacent, but I know that as far as the whole picture, it may not be. But yeah, I just finished the show, and I have I deliberately stayed aggressively spoiler-free, and I know that there's a bunch of scandal, which I have not had time yet to sit down and peruse, 
but I, not knowing what the scandal was, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done, even if I have to read more about why so many people disagreed. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard anything about it? I, I know what it is, and I know a lot of people really got into it. I have not watched it myself, and I haven't, I haven't seen any of that news that you're, you're mentioning. Yeah, there's a big backlash to it, and I think that it's because uh, the topic of the show is in itself controversial, and how to, to pitch, approach, discuss a controversial topic can often mm-hmm. be a controversial discussion. Right. So I think that that's what it boils down to. But I also think that we sometimes uh, miss the, can't see the forest for the trees. I think that we maybe, and like I said, I'm not even sure what this culture, what this drama has been, this backlash. But I'm hoping that when I read it, it's not going to change my perspective because I thought the show was really great and achieved good things. So I will wait. I will have to wait and see. Yeah, we haven't quite delved into that yet. I think what we're going to try and do is wait until we're off for the summer. And because uh, it sounds like it's he- it's heavy. <laughs> it is definitely heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I think when we have time to kind of detox the next morning, we're not r- rushing off to work and having to process on our commute in. <laughs> right. It's probably a better a better way to digest that kind of uh, content. Absolutely. Oh, and how could I forget? I read the new issue of Buffy and the new issue of Angel, the comics, this week. Uh, I was a little behind on them, and I caught up, and they are magnificent. That's awesome. I, that's one thing I haven't gotten into enough. I, I, I started and, and dropped off a season or two in and really should go back. Oh, you really have to. They've gotten, I mean, I don't like to say this because it's almost insulting to where they started, but they've gotten so much better. Oh, that's cool. They started good, but now they are perfect awesome i mean really perfect like season 11 is perfect (laughs) and i will say this is probably the geekiest thing i did this week and i forgot i applied for a job at a comic shop oh nice yeah so that should be exciting something part-time once or twice a week i hope um i don't know it's been a long time since i put in a job application because all of my work has been filmed for the last three years right but um so i don't know if anything will come of it but that was that definitely falls on the list well, that'll be that'll be a, a fun experience at the very least. Yeah, <laughs> get to see it from the other side. All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and then we will be back to talk about WeedonCon. All right. Do you like video games? Do you like music? Do you like video game music? Then join the Washington Metropolitan Gamers Symphony Orchestra on Twitch. Each week, we feature a game the orchestra has performed music from. Our arranger guests will chat about their process, their inspirations, and why game music is so awesome. Check us out every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at twitch.tv WMGSO. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the Geek to Geek podcast network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. 
Alright, and we're back. And so now we're going to talk about WhedonCon. So, Chris, tell us just everything about this, because it's um, charity-related, and it's a huge fandom, and it sounds like it's going to be a very exciting time. Oh, it really is. We have, so this is our um, second year. Last year was our premiere debut, and um, this year we're coming back twice the size. And twice the everything. Like our vendors room is double. Our uh, number of rooms available is almost double. Our, like the, you know, how many panels we have going on at once. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got evening events. We've got uh, cocktail parties. We've got autographs. We've got, we are very much, we have grown. And I, I know that that only means anything to anyone who saw us last year. So I don't know why I started with that. We are a, Fan run, we are by fans, for fans, charity convention. So everyone who works on our team is a volunteer. And we volunteer our time, and we volunteer our skills, and we raise money for our charities. And charities rotate for us. We're through Fandom Charities, which is a an overall charitable organization, mm-hmm. and our benefactors rotate. And this year... We will be benefiting the Al Wooten Jr. Heritage Center, which was a passion project of Ron Glass, uh, the actor who played Shepard Book on Firefly. Mm-hmm. And he was deeply involved with this charity. And we have decided to donate and raise for them in his honor this year. And the Wooten Center provides free after-school programs for grades 3 through 12 and affordable summer programs. And I know, and I just, they're a really amazing organization, and Ron Glass cared so much about them and did so much for them. He he devoted, like, large chunks of his life to supporting this charity. He really believed in this cause, and I I couldn't agree with him more. The Wooten Center is magnificent. I'm so happy that we're raising money for them, and I it's really important to me that we're raising money for the children mm-hmm. this year. Um, as I mentioned, I used to teach kindergarten. I used to teach first grade. Um, that is where the world right now should be allocating more resources. And I'm so happy to be able to help. Uh, our first charity is the Wooten Center, which is the after-school programs and summer programs. And then our second one is My Friend's Place, which is actually a resource for homeless youth. Oh, wow. So we're trying to cover our bases and take care of our children and... The, uh, my friend's place is, they take care of, uh, I believe somewhere between a third and one half of the homeless youth population in Los Angeles every year. And they don't just provide them with food, clothing, hygiene, like, which is already amazing, but they go above and beyond. And they provide them with access to education and access to the arts. I mean, this program is incredible. Uh, we're partnering with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I don't know love if you've them. heard of them. Oh, yes. I love them. Yes, and they chose my friend's place. And we were so happy to add it to the roster because this year it's about the kids. And um, my friend's place also has a reputation for being the safe place for LGBT teens, mm-hmm. which is really important to us, too, because there's, there's a disproportionate number of runaways who are LGBTQ. And it's important to us to give to the most accepting of the shelters 
as well as to support the kids. And yeah. that, yeah. So sorry, I wasn't very eloquent on those. I'm really passionate about both of them though. And if you want more information, you can go to www.wootencenter.org and Wooten is W-O-O-T-E-N. And you can go to www.myfriendsplace.org and that is, of course, apostrophe, my friends. And, um, I'm just so excited that we're raising money for these charities this year. And all of our, of course, all of our time and energy that goes towards planning the con really is about these charities in the end. And we don't, all expenses go toward the convention itself, which then goes towards raising money for the charities. And like I said, we are all volunteers and we give of our time freely and passionately and because we all believe in this project, we all believe in these charities, and we all believe in trying to make our world a little bit better and using the things we love to do that. Now, how did, um, you know, there's there's all sorts of things that that can have a convention about them. Um, how did this specifically become a Joss Whedon convention? Well, do you know, it actually always was from the start. We were born out of Whedonopolis. Do you know Whedonopolis? It's the, I don't. Uh, I don't. It's a... It's a Joss Whedon news website and news organization. And Whedonopolis and Fandom Charities are of of the same ilk and founded by the same person or the same people. And so we were born out of that Whedonopolis branch of Fandom Charities. And we are the Whedonverse because it's what most of us were passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really part of the us. I'm newer to the team. I've only been around for two years. Um, this whole organization got started in uh, around 2003 is when the first seeds were laid. Oh, wow. But I'm actually, uh, this is, I'm not the one to talk to about this because I wasn't there and I only know the legends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only give you a distorted version of our origin story, but I could give you some real honest truth about the last couple of years. Uh, last year was our first convention in 2016. We called it Weedonopolis. Um, this year is our first year as WhedonCon, and we just sort of thought that we should be, of course, our own subdivision. And um, WhedonCon is a little easier to sell than Whedonopolis right. as, a, as a name, because it makes it very clear that it's a convention. And we had just tremendous success last year, and I regret using that word. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really a magical experience, and I think that this year is going to be even cooler. We have just gone all out with our programming and our guests are really excited. We keep releasing these videos of our talent and they're saying, oh, you can't wait to see you at WhedonCon. And I mean, they really mean it. They're coming out of the goodness of their hearts too. Like they're coming because they support our charities, our talent, our guests, our writers, everyone coming from the Whedonverse or Whedon adjacent projects. They're coming because they care. And it really, really shows a strength of character and a, a a devotion to our causes to making the world a better place. Very cool. What are some of the what are some of the the highlights? What are some of the um, panels that you are most excited about? What are some of the the guests you're most excited about? Um, well, our guest of honor this year is David Fury. Mm-hmm. And do you know David? Uh, you're gonna have to remind me. Okay, so David Fury's our, uh, 
David is really exciting. He hasn't been to a convention in 10 years. Oh, wow. According to himself, the last time he appeared was 2007. And he has just left his mark on all parts of the Whedonverse. If you are even the casual fan, you should recognize David because he's actually appeared on screen a number of times in Jaws Whedon projects. And so David was the mustard man in uh, Once More with Feeling. Okay. You know, they got the mustard out. And I don't know why I needed to sing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was also the newscaster in <laughs> Dr. Horrible, Sing Along Log. He played a puppeteer in Angel and a goat-sacrificing demon worshiper in Angel. But more importantly, he has written 13 episodes of Angel, 17 episodes of Buffy, and then he went on actually to write a few episodes for Lost before spending years working on and off on 24. David's been very active, and if you went to his IMDb, you would see he has touched a lot of the things you love. He was co-executive producer for Fringe, which had a devoted following. Yeah. Um, he had a huge hand in 24. He produced almost 100 episodes just of the one series, and then 24 had these movies and spinoffs he was very involved in. But for the Whedonverse, now, those were his numbers as a writer, but he was a producer for 44 episodes of Angel and 88 episodes of Buffy. So wow. he had a huge role in shaping the Whedonverse, and we couldn't be more excited to have him there. Like, there's a reason he's our guest of honor. He doesn't get he doesn't get out to these conventions, and he's coming out for us, and he's coming out for the fans. And I just I'm so excited to hear the kind of questions that he gets asked and the kind of stories that he has to tell because he is somebody who played such an important role, but who occasionally just gets, you know, overlooked. We, we, we at WeedonCon like and admire and respect all contributors mm -hmm. to the things that we love. So we have production designers, stunt people, we have um, fight choreographers and special effects artists and visual effects artists, and everyone who's coming has contributed something really wonderful to the things that we love. And so David is going to come to our convention and be like king. <laughs> Where, <laughs> whereas, because we're, we're the people who, who get really jazzed about the people who are producing and the people who are writing. And especially when you follow a fandom as closely as, as the Whedonverse, like the Whedonverse is, it can be all consuming. Yeah. People know David Fury. Like, people are excited. I'm excited about David Fury. Um, because he's just, he's done so much, and we're thrilled to have him. And we are also excited to have Tim Minear, who is also a writer, producer. He is now working on American Horror Story, and this new show, Feud, is his. But before okay. that, he did Firefly. He did Firefly with Joss, and he wrote several episodes, and he played a big part in shaping that story. And he has, of course, Firefly is a very devoted following. And sometimes the producers are, are the ones with the best stories, because they're the ones that kind of knew all the behind-the-scenes, and they have, they have the juicy gossip that they can kind of spin into these tales, especially the ones that are writers, because they know how to spin these things into tales that just kind of enhance your your appreciation and understanding for the entire process that these people went through. I absolutely, we have, I mean, talk about stories. We're going to have some great stories. 
coming out at this convention because we're bringing in people who you don't always get to hear from. Like someone contacted me, they're flying in from Alberta, I think, um, in Canada to come to our convention. And she mentioned that she's thrilled that some of the, the, the talent that we've reached out to are people that people in the Whedonverse really care about and they feel a connection to, but they don't make it out to a lot of other conventions. So like people in the Whedonverse are thrilled that they, they get this chance to like interact with these, these talents and these people who have had an impact on them where they maybe wouldn't make the trip all the way out to Canada. And, but because we're LA based, we get to pull in anyone who we can and we get to reach all corners of the very wide Whedonverse and we get to offer something for everybody. And you know, we're not just about the Whedonverse. We are definitely focused on the Whedonverse, but we're a very inclusive convention. Um, whether it comes to fandom or anything else, really, we want people to come and have a good time and enjoy being part of a convention and being part of a fandom and being part of an experience. Like it's really about this wonderful celebration of what we love and being able to use what we love as a fuel to put good things out into the world and to give these mo- this money and these funds to our charities where this money is coming purely out of the things that we love. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that uh, strikes me about something like, like this convention, um, you know, one of my, and I've mentioned this on my show several times, but one of my favorite fandoms is the Blizzard fandom. It's video games, but they, they put out maybe five, six titles. Uh, and they have a convention every year, and I go to quite a few conventions, but it's one of those that you go and you know that everybody around you is into one of five things. And so it's very easy, especially if you're into multiples of those things, to to just strike up a conversation with anybody. And I've got to imagine that it's a little bit like that at WhedonCon, because, you know, he's got a huge breadth of... of content that he's put out there but you know you're going to guess that people are going to know they're Buffy and they're Angel mm-hmm. and Firefly and Avengers and there's there's stuff there that um, people you're, 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 you're kind of narrowing your scope enough that everybody there is going to have something immediately in common and I, I think that's that's sometimes rare in in the time of the big box comic conventions where it's just kind of like look at all of these people that we can get to sign your autographs for 20 bucks a pop yes and it's interesting to do like i i mentioned before that i'm a big power Rangers fan i made it to power morphicon this year and it was a similar um feeling is what you're describing and is what we what we hope to achieve and what we feel that we achieved last year with WhedonCon is that you look around at one of the larger cons and you feel like, wow, everyone here is a little bit like me. And that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But when you look around at something like Whedon Con or when I was at Power Morphicon and like people are wearing these obscure cosplays and I walk by and I get to be like, I get that man. I get mm-hmm. that. That's mm-hmm. super cool. I love that you did that. And, and there's something to that. There's something to that. It's almost like an intimacy 
in a way. Yeah. That like, we know this world so well. It's like we have a friend in common. And so it's like the Whedon verse is this friend who's inviting us all to this party. And we all are friends of the Whedon verse. And so a friend of a friend is my friend. Yeah, absolutely. And there's this, like this instant connectivity and you just, you just get each other and it's really cool. Very cool. Is there anything else we need to know going into this convention? Oh, well, there's so many things. I, I, I <laughs> yes, um, we are packed with programming this year. Um, you would be busy from mm-hmm. sunup till sundown. We have a whole <laughs> evening programming schedule we haven't even released with dancing and cocktail parties and a pool party and all kinds of gatherings, social opportunities. It's really like you learn. It's a little bit like college. You sit and you learn and you're intellectually stimulated and you're entertained during the day at all our panels. And then you get to party all night long because we have evening performances. We have a burlesque. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are doing their show. Um, oh, wow. We have, we have just, I mean, you have to go check out www.weedoncon.com. Our daytime schedule is up now. By the time this airs, our evening schedule will be up. We have a lot to do. And um, it's totally going to be worth it. I, I, I just can't wait. I, I know people are going to be blown away. And I can't wait for that to happen. Because we are bringing it this year. And come celebrate. Make some friends. Take some pictures. Cosplay. All day, every day, we have cost, we have like a whole cosplay track. People are, and we're teaching. We're, we have makeup tutorials by the, like, the, the artist who currently works on Agents of Shield is doing a makeup tutorial. Oh wow. Like this is opportunity. If you're a Whedon fan, you really don't want to miss this. It's, it's going to be something and, it's going to be, I just, I don't know. I get so excited. I, I'm not good at the word. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, I, I hope that everyone who can make it does because we've worked really hard and we want to benefit our charities and we want to do that by making everyone who comes to us feel welcome, feel happy, and leave every day with a smile on their face or even better, stay at the hotel, but go to bed every night with a smile on their face. (laughs) Very cool. Now, give us the dates. Oh, my gosh. May 19th through 21st. It's in Los Angeles at the Warner Center Marriott. Um, We have the 19th through the 21st is a week later than we did it last year, but we are able to get more of our talent this way, and we have this wonderful new location. And I just think you're going to be so glad you came. That's awesome, man. Tickets still available? Absolutely. Um, our hotels are actually, unfortunately, our hotel block will be done by the time this airs, I believe. But you could still come. You could still stay. But we have wild deals on the hotel right now. So maybe... <laughs> I'll try and send out a tweet before yeah, I was gonna say, time, uh, before this time, airs. Just let people time know. Travel, time travel back a few days and save some money with our hotel deals. And I mean, really, it's it's just it's going to be a great convention. We are what I like to call intimate by design. 
we are a very particular, like curated size that allows you to see any panel you'd like, allows you to get an autograph from anyone you would like to hit every vendor. We are the convention for convention goers who don't want to miss anything. That sounds perfect. It sounds like you guys have it down, and that's and and for a good cause. I I don't know how anybody could complain. Well, I hope we see you. We will have by the time this airs, you will still have time to get a discounted online membership, which is only sixty dollars for the whole weekend. And we do sell day passes, but it's sixty dollars for the full weekend. That price will go up at the door. Perfect. So that's it, people. Jump on it. Make sure that you you get those deals now, and uh, and that you get uh, a chance to enjoy something that's also going for a, an excellent, excellent couple of causes. Well, thank you, guys. I hope we see you there. I think you'll be really glad you came. Absolutely. Any shout-outs today before we we wrap things up? Anyone who's listening, thank you so much. I I hope that we see you at Weed and Con because we will be delighted to see you and I think you will be delighted to be there. Absolutely. And I, I want to send a shout out to Kenny Rotter for putting uh, me in touch with you so that I got a chance to, to, to talk about this because this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Coming up next week, um, we are going to be talking about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with Ray Vargas. He's going to come back. I apologize that this is not coming out this week because I am actually the reason why we're recording this on May 1st is because I'm going to be in Oregon enjoying a uh, anniversary trip with my husband at the Columbia River Gorge and just escaping from reality for five days. I'm very excited. So uh, unfortunately I wasn't going to have a chance to to watch the show and record with Ray until the week after but you're just going to just going to have to wait a week. You, you know let let it uh, give you an extra little bit of time to see the show before we, we spoil it for you. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Check out other geek to geek shows such as geek to geek Podcast, Video Game News Now, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, and The Comic Box. And make sure to join our Reddit community at r slash geek to geek cast you can currently find us at geektitude.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude, or me personally at Epic Grays. Uh, Chris, how can we find you? Um, if you're looking for me, I can certainly be reached at the WhedonCon Facebook which you should go on and check out. Uh, and that's just Whedon Con. We have our own page and we have a, an event page and we're putting out news and some, you know, little Whedon jokes and reminders every day. And then that's where we blast out our news and our exciting guests and our programming is all going to come through there. I take the messages there. So if you're looking for me, you can reach out to me there or my email is C, letter C, John, J-O-H-N, Cullen, C-U-L-L-E-N, at gmail.com. And you can uh, reach out to me for anything you need, um, whether it's questions about the convention or I don't know what else. I'm going to geek out about Power Rangers. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris, for, for talking to us about WeedonCon today. I, I wish you the best of luck with it, and uh, I, I, I'm sure it's going to be an absolute blast. Oh, I hope so, too. 
I hope we see you there. Absolutely. And for all of you listening out there, remember, this week, keep it geek.